Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Um, my name's Emily. My pronouns are they, them. I'm a young person that's based over in Melbourne and Warrandry land. Um, and I spoke about how do we add more people of colour to the rainbow. And since this is radio, tell us a little bit about your background as well. Of course. Um, I totally forget that. All the time. <laughs> um, so I'm a person of colour. My mum was a Vietnam War refugee. My dad migrated to Australia um, from Malaysia when he was about age 15 as well. Um, and I grew up super privileged compared to them. Um, and I grew up in Perth in a really, honestly, like really, really white little suburb. Um, there was maybe one other person of colour at my school and it was really alienated, I think. And my parents were really in survival mode and rejected so much of their cultural upbringing and told me to do the same because I think that's just what they thought was the way to go forward. Um, so honestly, for queer, for, for me, for queer people, like queer, <laughs> stepping into queer communities was the most healing thing, I think, in understanding that my differences were something to be not just accepted to be but to be celebrated as well. And I really was able to reconcile not just my gender, my sexuality, but also my experiences of mental health, my experiences culturally, my disability. And it was just the most healing thing. Um, so now I work sort of in like inclusion spaces and my presentation today was about how do we harness more people of color within the queer community? How do we amplify those sorts of voices that are extra marginalized because of that intersectionality? Can you tell us a little bit, because you talked about it and it was central to your presentation, but Multicultural Minds, due to be published later this year, can you explain that work to listeners and what that process has been? So I work as a mental health professional now, um, and something that I often talk about is how mental health is often, it's in a Western context at least, one size fits all. It's very clinicalized, it doesn't really understand different cont cultural or contexts around that. Um, and so I really wanted to focus on multicultural mental health and how complex that is for people. And so I built this platform called Multicultural Minds where people can amplify their stories through me. Um, and we're currently in the process of building a little book of about 300 different stories, which is really lovely. And there's sort of like written nature, audio and visual as well, so like artworks. Um, and in people sharing their stories with me, it's not just about culture, it also talks about their different intersections with their identity and their experiences with mental health that also link with their queerness as well. And that's what I want to focus on today is our mental health is so intersectional inherently. And when we're talking about healing, not just from a cultural aspect, it brings in your queerness as well. And I want to harness like the positive side of that and how queer communities have really been such a healing force for people that are culturally diverse and people of color. I'm going to ask you, I'll throw you a bit of a curveball here because as you're talking about this, Whilst you're looking at it in a positive lens, I can't help but think that, you know, a lot of these experiences do have aspects of trauma or discrimination embedded in them, unfortunately. For yourself, and also because you come from a mental health background, is there a, a process of self-care that you need to do when you're curating 300 stories? Absolutely. Um, like, today's presentation was just a really short little 20-minute bit, and you could just pile so much into people just talking about you know, things that didn't happen for them that were that ideal. Um, and I think 
What's really important about the platform is that this is one of the safe spaces that many people have found that they can actually speak about their experiences whatsoever. And not many of them are super strengths focused. They're really negative because it's different systemic barriers as people who have mental health challenges and recovery, but then also suffer from like cultural discrimination and then discrimination because of their gender or their sexuality and all those different layers like ultimately pile up into something that's really difficult to navigate and to explain um so there's a lot of negativity within that but something that i always try to frame at the end of their stories is awesome you know what's something that you would want to tell like your younger self or someone in the community or like a clinician and they have such amazing tips and i think that's what's really lovely is that it's not just a space for people to vent but it's also like a constructive space for people to kind of change that narrative for other people is there anything that stands out to you, I guess, as something that you maybe learned either about yourself or the communities that you're working with in the process of doing this project? I got into this a lot deeper than I expected to initially. Um, I wanted It started as a little like side project. It was like one afternoon I got very frustrated after like another sort of corporate-y, bureaucraty um, conversation with someone at work. And they were like, yeah, yeah, multicultural people are so important. Queer people are so important. Yeah, we should definitely listen to those voices, but we have no resources to do that. And just hearing that over and over again, I was like, we can just do this. And then I got in way too deep. And there are so many people that want to talk about this and so many solutions and so many different avenues. But I think something that's really fulfilling for me is being able to hold myself and say I don't have to take on all these experiences they're not my responsibility but what I can do is provide a platform to kind of elevate those stories and kind of have it as like the conversation starter so other people can pick up this book later and say this is something that's really interesting whether it be like one specific story or a theme that they see across stories and that can start their own project they can use it for like a grant that they want to use or connect with people with their same experience it's Something that I hope just kind of opens that door to more conversations. Um, and I think recognizing that my experience, I don't need to hold all that space for everyone. That's definitely been part of my self-care, but it it is really hard to kind of tangle with that sometimes because it's, it's so emotional and there's so much peer support involved in that because these people, they're so close to me now and they're sharing like some of the darkest experiences they've ever been through and some of the, also the lightest experiences too. And yeah, I feel more connected than I ever have to my community but also just really empowered to do more work, I guess. Yeah. For any listeners out there that are maybe just at the beginning of that process that are queer, intersex, or or trans, people of color, and they're seeking that connection to community, what tips do you have for them as maybe they're just getting started? Honestly, um, until the book comes out, um, (laughs) I would really ask you to like look in online spaces um, and try to find spaces that you can kind of recreate your own identity. For me and for a lot of my peers, one of the best things have been like digital online spaces where you can choose what you look like, what your name is, who you identify as, and kind of experimenting with that and finding what sort of works for you for you away from the lenses of all the other parts of judgment that exist in your real life. I think that that has been really intrinsic to building those connections between people and finding other people that you know relate to you in whatever way. Um, Finding out that you're not alone and being able to connect with those sorts of people, that is, I think that's the biggest healing factor of my personal journey and many other people's journeys. So I haven't found a platform where many people are sharing their specific stories of multicultural mental health, which is why I'm building this. But there are little bits and pockets on the internet where people have shared their stories. And I highly encourage you to go and look out for those and to find bits and know that like your experiences are really valid and you're not alone in what you're going through. I really like that you brought up digital spaces because one of the things that I, I guess we've talked about on well, well before, um, but I wonder if there's any caveats there for people is that obviously online spaces can also have um, 
some really unhelpful spaces and some horrible rhetoric that people don't have accountability for. Um, any tips with regard to that? If someone does go on a bit of an online exploration around, you know, if you come across stuff that maybe isn't so affirming. For me, like, it, so my what I didn't go into in my presentation, um, I'm a software engineer on the side as well. So, like, digital spaces is something that I'm very biased towards and I absolutely love. But I think just more education about like what you're going into online is really important and how to keep yourself safe. So like, you know, how to report comments, how to like block off or like log off different parts for your own self-care. That's really integral to like maintaining a good sort of environment. Um, I kind of liken whether it be social media, whether it be a forum or anything or a digital web page as like walking into a cafe. Like you're walking into a space that you don't know a lot of people. People can be saying anything that they want to. You don't have to believe them and you don't have to let it affect you and you can leave the space anytime that you want. I think that having that sort of agency and knowing that online spaces are quite similar to in-person sort of spaces, that's really important. So try to maintain your sort of agency about what you choose to interact with and what you don't choose to interact with. During your presentation, you used some U.S. data and you touched on the limited research that we have here in Australia. Um, I guess, is it safe to say, is that something that's an area for growth or something that we could improve on here as research? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, there's such little research into the intersection of culture and queer and then mental health, um, which is wild. Um, But I think, you know, historically, we've been excluded from that type of data because we don't fit into nice little boxes. We're not numbers really to put down. Um, I think that makes it difficult for us to be, you know, communicated in a more traditional research approach. Um, But I think that something that a lot of people have been hearing about multicultural minds and asking me whether I have research like propositions afterwards and see this as sort of like a database, it's really interesting because I thought, for me, like this is sort of a no-brainer. Like if you have people that have cultural discrimination and then discrimination because of the gender or the sexuality, of course, it's going to get worse and worse the more layers you add on. But there's very little data to back that up. It's just kind of like experiences and shared stories. Um, And so I'm hoping that one aspect of Multicultural Minds, the book that will come out, is that researchers will look at this as kind of a space to actually grow from, that there are people who are willing to talk about this. It's just how you ask them and the way in which you engage with them. So doing this through a lens of peer support where they know that they're talking to another person of color that's queer like them, that's been a really good way to sort of elicit those stories and make that safe space for them, whereas most research isn't really done super safe, in my opinion. Okay, well, we'll have to connect you with some community research out the, researchers <laughs> out there. Um, multicultural Minds, if people want to see the project, when can we anticipate it? How do they keep uh, abreast when it's coming out? So you can either contact me through my website, which is emilyunity.com or through multiculturalminds.org, which is the Multicultural Minds website. I generally just spam people on LinkedIn as well. So like if you get in contact with me in any sort of form, once I have your email, I'm so sorry, I will spam you about this because it is like my tiny child right now. Um, But I'm in the process of making sure that I have all the consent places forms in place um and so i am dotting all my i's and taking all my t's um but hopefully it'll be later out i'm saying around like august this year but i'm trying to get better with my boundaries with work as well so we'll see (laughs) well that's that's fair enough to strike that balance you did mention at the beginning of this this was the first presentation of this kind for you um how has this experience been with regard to better together this year for you Really wholesome, really, really, really wholesome. Um, honestly, what I'm more used to is like really corporate, like very formal presentations. Um, and I'm normally there speaking from a very strategic point of view. And this was just really lovely to step into a space where people are so accepting, like they laughed at my really awkward jokes <laughs> and they clapped at different points. And that's, it's so affirming. Um, and I think that's what's so lovely about the queer community is that I really can just be me and I don't need to put on that mask that I was talking about before. Like. 
I can just present and talk about these sorts of things that make me who I am and make my peers who they are. And that's valid. I don't need to back it up with numbers. Yeah. Amazing. Emily Unity, thank you so much for your time. And we will keep an eye out for Multicultural Minds later this year. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and well-being and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.